Welcome to Wifey Molotum, the podcast hosted by me, Roger Lopez-Bennett, a born dreamer. In this podcast, we feature young entrepreneurs who have founded their first startup before 30. Why? Well, because under 30, founders are rare and sometimes not taken seriously. But their stories are even more interesting than the rest. And before starting this episode, let me remind you that extra information about the speakers can be found on wifemil.com slash podcast. Enjoy! Hi Alex, welcome to wifemil.com, the podcast, a place where young entrepreneurs get inspired by people like you who don't just talk but take action. So yeah, today we'll talk about your failures and how you overcome them. Also your successes on Amazon and Udemy where you've become a, a bestseller and then we'll shift to SEO and how to build a fan base. So yeah, let's get started. Well, so first of all, tell us a bit about your background, you know, what you've done so far and, you know, the businesses you've started. Yeah, tell us. So today my main business is I teach, you know, full-time on Udemy um, and I also license out my courses, those very same Udemy courses. That's my core business. But then I have all these other things like you mentioned, the book. I also do coaching. um, And it really just started, uh, you know, a long time ago, I just, was you know I was a computer science major, but I was always curious about my ideas, and I wanted to pursue them. And I, I guess, like you said, you know, a lot of people they dream about their ideas, they get excited about their ideas, but they don't take action. I guess the only difference is I just took some action, and over time, um, just developed a habit of like, well, do more action and more action, and now it's just second nature. Uh, but yeah, it all just started with being curious about things and trying and failing a ton, obviously. Um, because as a computer science major, you have known nothing about business or marketing or anything. So um, it took a really a long time, you know, that learning yeah. curve was, yeah, but here we are. Yeah, cool. So what was your, your first, uh, you know, project or your first uh, business? Uh, it was really ridiculous. It was, um, I was really into philosophy and yeah. it was a project to, you know how, I don't know if you're familiar with the Socratic dialogues, but it's uh, basically, you know, it's, it's, a di- it's a dialogue where two parties are trying to get to the truth okay. and they're trying to, it's kind of a brainstorm. Okay. And of course, in the Socratic dialogues, the main partner is Socrates, you know, he's the main driver of it. And I thought, well, why don't I program this thing um, like so that the user can sort of talk to Socrates and Socrates would quiz him just like wow. the actual original dialogue was, right? <laughs> um, and then they would sort of brainstorm and you'd learn the dialogues, the Socratic dialogues by actually doing it with your computer. Um, and of course, this idea lacked all kinds of things like, well, how is this going to make money? Uh, how are you going to promote this? Nobody cares about philosophy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like me and three other people, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so... It's not an. It's an idea I could geek out about still today, but it's not like a business really. Wow. Okay. So was that an app or a software? This was the era. There was no apps at this time. There was just oh, like oh. a website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What year was that? <laughs> uh, let, let's not disclose the year, but the internet okay. was around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not such a dinosaur. <laughs> well, uh, fair enough. So you know, knowing you've built apps. Uh, you know, what kind of apps are they still on the App Store and Google Play? Yeah, at one point, you know, they were 
like my main project. Uh, I built them in 2012. They've, they've had a few million downloads since then cumulatively, but wow. I've sort of moved on to other emerging projects for me. Um, but uh, the apps, they were apps for entrepreneurs. And the reason I built them uh, was because prior to that, you know, I was making all sorts of mistakes as an entrepreneur. And um, I thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing if I had some guidance, right? So, so these apps were kind of like business coaching apps. And it was a four app series okay. on Android and iPhone. It was like, you know, studying for business ideas. The next app was business planning. Next app was marketing. Next app was fundraising. So the kind of the four things entrepreneurs tend to struggle with and ask the most questions about. So the apps had a lot of tutorials, but also I provided um, live help and coaching on the apps. You know, I was like typing um, to, with other entrepreneurs, discussing their businesses with them. Um, and, uh, you know, because of that, that app actually did really well because people were getting tremendous help. Like you wouldn't expect a live expert to come, you know, from an app and here, here I am. Yeah. Um, so it was unique at that time, but it just, I couldn't do that live, live help anymore and have a life or do other projects. So I had to stop that. Yeah. So the, the app, so I kind of decreased the app scope and now they're not as interesting anymore. And, you know, I don't really recommend people get them anymore. It's, it's not like, you know, I have better things now that, uh, yeah. for entrepreneurs. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's still impressive though. It, it's, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure it was a pretty cool experience too. Uh, it, it, it was cool, you know, to build these apps, but I mean, I think the numbers of downloads, you know, like, are you know, such a vanity number like i don't really focus that much on the numbers yeah. i think if, if it had become if i was able to then make it a big business really then it would be cool but it turned out to be not nearly one of the, my better projects so well uh, yeah uh, yeah i mean knowing now you, you have you've had many many more uh projects we'll, that, that we'll talk about later um yeah so What's the industry you think you've been most successful in? Uh, yeah. Well, obviously it's e-learning okay. um, because in e-learning, I've kind of been able to put all the experiences that I've had starting different businesses. And also after I've started different businesses, a lot of people came to me for coaching, like okay. mobile apps and affiliate marketing and books and all the things that I've done, people kind of come to me, you know, they want to achieve sort of similar res results. Sure. And because of the coaching, I also see so many different angles of things, you know, like as my experience is one experience, but then even coaching mobile apps, I've seen, you know, a couple of hundred different apps. And so then I was able to put all that experience from the, my coaching clients and from myself into the courses. Oh. And I think that made the courses much better because, you know, one challenge with making a course is like the one student is from one continent, another mm -hmm. student is from another continent. One has a, let's say it's a, if it's a mobile app marketing course, one student has a game, one student mm -hmm. has a productivity app. How do you satisfy all of them? You yeah. know, so um, I think, so having that experience with helping so many people, and also my own experience, I think that um, helped the courses do better. And I think, you know, that's mm -hmm. part of my, I guess you, you can say success in course in e-learning. Wow. And so you, that's your biggest achievement so far, the, the courses on, on Udemy. I guess as a business, offline, you and I talked about, you know, I th in terms of achievement, I actually, I think I'm more proud of, you know, I created a little bit of music. I don't know if we had a chance to discuss this, but I think I'm actually most proud of that um even though it's not good 
I mean, I think it's good, but like, you know, I'm not a professional musician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, th yeah, that's a hobby, right? Isn't it? Yeah. But you know, you could always make it a business. Uh, that's always out that, there. This is the distant dream. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, I think music is, is more like you would lose money with it um, for almost the, the whole time, but it's like, but it's the most exciting thing for me. So now let's kind of go to the opposite way. So what would be the industry that has underperformed the most? So the one that hasn't achieved your, your goals? Oh, the app, the mobile app world. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really a brutal business. Like it's kind of a sexy business, you know, everybody's like, Ooh, an app, you know, um, especially when I did it like 2012, 2013, 2000, that, that time apps were sh like the shiny new object. Mm -hmm. And I was actually able to get a lot of attention through those apps. But the truth is, you know, the app stores, nobody buys, nobody spends money. Yeah. Right. And so as a business, it's so hard, you know, um, so that that just stand, to me that just stands out as like one of the hardest but you said you you got a lot of downloads right um downloads right but yeah. the, the how many like like a couple of million downloads all together wow. in the apps okay. yeah um and one of the apps was like really leading the whole thing it was like for a long time on android it was like uh if you search for just business it was like mm. number one and behind me was like google uh business insider Next, you know, like oh, billion wow. dollar company, million dollar, company. yeah. Um, and you know, then if then it started to fluctuate, you know, I was like top five, and um, and then I made a bad update. Actually, funny story, I made a like some mistaken updates, just accident, and I violated some rule in Google that I did. <laughs> I didn't even know it was it wasn't like malicious at all. Yeah. And then they took it down. I had to restart that app with zero downloads. Oh no! Um, but at this point, I didn't really mind because I kind of moved on, but. Uh, Anyway, that happened. Um, wow. Yeah, which was kind of heartbreaking a little bit, but at okay. least it wasn't in the heyday of those apps. That that would have been terrible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah. yeah, the apps, you know, you can get a lot of downloads with apps, but like the monetization of apps, you know, is pennies per download. Just because, you know, I didn't serve ads and people don't buy stuff, it's mm -hmm. really hard to sell. So that's why, like I mentioned earlier, like it's really hard to build a real business in the app world because you, even if you get a lot of downloads, um, the, the next challenge is that monetization. And it's a yeah. really, it, for me, it was a brutally hard challenge. What's the business model for an app? The best business model, you think? Uh, ads or? Yeah. Uh, I think it depends who you ask. You know, if some people are making a lot of money with ads, to them it will be ads. To me, one of the worst is ads because users hate it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make that much money per download, and you get that you get worse reviews. Um, I think the most effective tend to, tend to be things that um, when an app is like a long term use app, like a super addicting game or some productivity app you use every day, um, mm -hmm. then during the long-term use of it, people, some people become super fans and those people tend to spend money. So yeah. the apps that kind of create like a really passionate user base tend to have less of a challenge um, with monetization. 
mm-hmm. and then you know subscriptions tend to be good because people pay over a long period of time so the revenue accumulates and it's more predictable so um that tends to be like a you know the lifetime value of, the lifetime value of a customer tends to be good with subscription based products mm-hmm. but also i think you know there was a very famous you know case studies with like um those games were like you know you, you they're free games but like you had to get you get to a level where you can't beat yeah. it and you have to like pay 99 cents for some mm-hmm. extra lives or something and then guess what happens in the next level like you can't beat that one yeah, <laughs> so exactly, you pay again yeah. and you pay again so those kinds of like really addictive games like nobody really almost nobody pays but there are some people who get into the habit yeah. they want to keep playing and they they spend a lot so i think it's around one percent of the players that end up paying you know it's very yeah. very low and i think one percent of those one percent spend like incredible amounts yeah, definitely. That's why it's so hard to make money under a freemium model. And, you know, paid paid apps are not the best. But at the same time, freemium model is not the best. And ads are not the best either. So, yeah, I agree. The, it all depends on which app you have and the, you know, your target market as well. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this. What's one thing that you have done wrong throughout your careers in entrepreneurship and marketing, you know, um, SEO or, yeah. I think probably looking back, the things that I've done wrong is I wasn't able to get good coaching early on. Okay. I really uh, got into some like projects that were just like, if somebody more experienced looked at it, they could have helped me correct course. But that didn't happen. So I just stumbled into some business ideas that they were just not good. Mm. And then as soon as I got into it, I was like, oh, this idea has problems. And then by this time, I'm like in the middle of it and you have to kind of wiggle out. Um, So being in the middle of that is really painful because, you know, you're like there's financial stress. Things are not working. Everybody telling you you're wrong. And it's over a long period of time that this kind of stress hangs over you when you make those errors. So um, that looking back, I'm like, I wish I was had, I, I wish I had access to better mentors. Okay. Uh, can you tell us, or you don't want to tell us, um, uh, what specific things you did wrong? Sure. So, okay. uh, like a while ago, I think over 10 years ago, I, um, I, I had this idea that I would start like an outdoor, uh, meetup for the outdoors. Right. And different, different like hike organizers would create hikes and lead hikes and everything. Basically a meetup, but only a segment of meetup just for the outdoors. Okay. And uh, I thought that mine would be free. And I thought that meetup is like, you know, like around $25 a month or something to, to the organizer. So I thought if my, if I made mine free, everybody would flock to my site. Right. And immediately it turned out that like, the organizers typically didn't care about that fee it was a relatively small fee. Yeah. And the value of meetup is that first they were very liked. They're generally a liked company. Uh, you don't want to compete with like giant companies. You want to compete yeah. with disliked ones. But anyway, um, what they were able to populate events, even outdoor events, like, you know, you can post any hike. Let's say I was living in San Francisco, California at this time, and it was a big hiking area and you can post any hike at, 
on meetup and you get like 30, 40, 50 people to your hike. And I had to compete with that on my, you know, mom and pop site. And I would get like two people in <laughs> after a lot of trying, you know, wow. and, and um, it was like, and I just couldn't, couldn't compete and couldn't poach users. So, uh, and I was like, oh my God, like, you know, the whole premise was is just wrong. And there's no way, like, I'm not going to be able to compete, out-compete Meetup. Um, and so I ended up actually doing something cool. I ended up doing really flashy hikes because I needed to draw attention, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, like, instead of just a regular old hike where, you know, go in the woods and walk, I would find, like, really interesting destinations. So, like, in San Francisco, okay. a lot of people don't know, but, like... Uh, there's a lot of ships that sunk on the coast of San Francisco that if you walk along the coastline, you can see during low tide, you can see the ships above oh, really? water. Yeah. Um, and mostly many people don't know that they're ships because they've been underwater for decades. You know, they're really corroded and everything yeah. and you only see parts of them. But then I f- figured out which ones are ships and I created hikes like, um, and those hikes actually, got like tremendous attention because people don't know like this. Yeah. Even the residents, they don't know. And when I posted my event on different like event sites, that was like the coolest event that day. Right. Cause yeah. every, any other event, even if it's a concert or a sporting event, people, you know, they, they know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Right. But this thing, they're like, people are like, wow, in a major city shipwrecks, like really. Wow. And so um, kind of in a way I had, because I had to wiggle out of that mistake that I made with competing with Meetup, I kind of stumbled on this like events business um, and created like a pretty cool event series where every week I had a different kind of like that, but every week was a different cool thing, like cool mm-hmm. theme. Yeah. And I kind of repeated them every month, but I found enough cool themes that um, this actually became a cool event business, wow. Pe- you know, cause I was able to get a lot of publicity for these events. Um, uh, the problem with that business is like, you had to lead all the time that thing. So as soon as I moved, it, that business was dead. <laughs> you you kind of stuck with it. Yeah. So you were the only one running it? No. Or you, you had For the most people? part, yeah. Okay. There was other people like in parallel. I got I got some people to organize hikes. Okay. But uh, you know they weren't doing cool hikes like me. They weren't getting the attention like me because I kind of perfected it. <laughs> um, and also got relationships with all the journalists in event sites wow. to, you know, the difference between just having an event posted versus being, having an event like promoted on the top of their site. Um, and so they kind of started to get to know me. They're like, Oh, you know, that's the guy that runs the cool hikes. Um, so for a little while I was, people kind of like recognized me a little bit, even on the street, people were like, Oh, I went to your hike. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember. They remember you. Wow. But uh, yeah, um, so it was a cool thing for a while. But again, it's like, you know, if you move, you can't do it. Like now, when I moved to New York, in New York, there's no way you can do this because uh, New York is so busy. Like you can't hike around mm-hmm. the city. You would lose all your hikers in like in one block. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's impossible to promote events because there's so many events in New York, like yeah. from theater to sports to concerts to, every day so events just like it was too competitive like wow. there was no end out in the way so that business kind of had to go but it was kind of fun you know it it learned a ton yeah uh, definitely it's a good pe- 
pivoting strategy though like look for something that no one knows and and it's interesting so yeah that that was that was cool because at the same time you were competing with facebook no well really you know the events business wasn't really competitive with with facebook it it, it was kind of a pivot you know like i think it wasn't the greatest pivot because i i kind of locked myself into running these events yeah that while i was doing that you know it takes a lot of time to organize it and mm-hmm. run events so like then i couldn't do anything else and I did some other things under that business, like because I got all this press for those events, my website started being really authoritative because mm-hmm. all these big sites were linking to me. And so I did a lot of stuff with SEO, you know, like really cool stuff with SEO actually, um, which is another pivot of that business. Like, cause, because my site ranked for a ton of a- anything I would put on the site, like that page ranked because I got all the backlinks from like super authoritative sites. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I imported like hundreds of thousands items, like uh, parks, uh, wildlife names, tree names, nature names, anything. And I made like an auto generated Wikipedia like thing. um, Wow. Basically without, with very thin content, but auto generated. Right. And then all those pages started to rank. And then this thing actually started making good money with ads because uh, it it was in the travel space, so the ads were lucrative. But there was just so many pages ranking, right? I was ranking for all the parks and everything. And then um, because it was thin content, Google ended up penalizing that. Um, But before they did, that was really good. This would be today called the content farm, which is kind of gray hat strategy Mm -hmm. but at one point it was how you build like you know like like all you would think of the travel sites like what's it travelocity or travel advice trip advisor right Mm -hmm. that's what they kind of started having they just like very much earlier they just had like hundreds of thousands of site of pages maybe tens of thousands for every city Mm -hmm. because they were so authoritative even though those pages weren't good they were still number one Later, people started because they're number one. People started using it, adding reviews, and those pages started getting you know content. So yeah. it wasn't thin content. Okay. So they kind of had time to grow. Me, I kind of did it on this, the end of that era of content farms. Yeah. Right up until Google started penalizing it, so I didn't really have time to grow and become a big company. But I was kind of almost on my way there. Wow. But then, one day I woke up. And I checked my analytics. And before that, they were analytics were going up, up, up. And, and it was... then it was like, yeah, it was this. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was horrible. And then, then you, you decided to just leave it? Yeah, I tried to kind of res- resuscitate that site for a while. You know, it was still it was still that same hiking business, right? I pivoted twice. Yeah. Pivoted to, um, you know, from the, from the failed meetup to the events. And then to the the content farm, the wow. content farm started actually, it was, you know, scaling. It was like, that was the dream of startup dream, right? It was just scaling. Mm-hmm. And then just overnight. Phew. So oh, after no. that, I think I had enough. <laughs> I tried, I tried to bring it back to life. And then I, you, you can, you, that penalty was extremely hard to get wow. uh, to survive, to recover from. So I had to move on. <laughs> and I guess too much money spent too. It's really like time and yeah. effort, you know, so much. Yeah. Can you, those, you know, the two pivots is like so much effort when it daily, like just re- wrecking my brain of like, you know, 
how do I make it work? Because mm-hmm. the first plan was not so good. <laughs> Led me on to this pivot, pivot, pivot. Um, but yeah, so much uh, just like of yeah. my heart went into trying to make it work, you know? Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it happens. It happens. Happens. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned before, you've published uh, books. So why did you decide to get into, you know, publishing books and yeah. How you, how have you become a bestseller in, in your niches on Amazon? So after I created those apps that we talked about, people were asking on the apps, they were asking me a lot of questions about business and to them, the questions were unique. These were issues they were just facing for the first time. But for me, I was noticing to my surprise, the questions were just absolutely repeating. There was a really relatively small variety of questions. They were pretty much similar. And I just kept answering the same question all the time. So I started doing YouTube, but this time that's where I started uh, playing around with video. And around the same time, I started writing books, um, essentially answering those questions because I had this gigantic data set of all the questions that people, you know, from, from a lot of entrepreneurs. And I thought, well, this would be very comprehensive. And that's how my book, first book was written is just basically answering all the questions that I was, you know, I looked at, I looked at my my entire database and I pulled all the questions and I just answered them. You know, a lot of them obviously overlap. So I only answered that once, Mm -hmm. but um, then because the apps were like business planning apps, you know, one of the books, one of the first books I wrote was a business planning book. And then that book actually struggled for a very long time. Just wasn't selling. And then I don't know actually what happened. Like if I, when I look at the chart, it was like one, like rank 1 million in Amazon, you know, like in the seller, it was like, you know, it was like ranked, like I think when it started like 2 million or 3 million, then it started like 1 million, then 500,000, just, just, you know, slowly kind of growing, but that's still making almost no sales. So, you know, because when you're down there that far, you're like not doing good at all. Mm -hmm. So, and then, just one summer, something happened. I don't really know what was the was the catalyst. Uh, maybe don't remember now, but like I think I maybe started ranking or one university. I think University of Kentucky bought a bunch. I think they bought like fifty or hundred copies at once, and that book kind of shut up in the right search terms. And then that book just started selling. Like it, that book never looked back, and it it got picked up by another university, like University of Pepperdine. Use there's a program that uses. Uh, wow. that book uh, and but it wasn't overnight like this book I had like 19 revisions of this book so at first it just wasn't good then I kept improving it improving it improving it yeah and these revisions mostly were major revisions um, multiple editors multiple ideas multiple you know rounds of feedback so it's a ton of work to 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 get that together wow and does it also have to do with the seo did you on amazon did you change anything yeah uh well obviously you know i would target keywords like business plan that was my main keyword okay. in amazon um but besides that there wasn't tremendously much you know um just very straightforward you're still improving it or or not anymore yeah, I'm planning on I'm planning another revision. Uh, I'm trying to change the title, but titles are actually really hard to change for books because, um, you know, the book it just it's just a technical thing. But the book once it changes the title, it kind of becomes a different book. 
yeah. on Amazon. So you need, you need a different listing ISBN. And I can't, I can't do that because I have like hundreds of reviews on this book and it's already ranking. So I can't restart it. So I'm going through this whole process with Amazon and support and getting them to allow me to change the book title slightly. Um, yeah. It's a big pain kind of behind the scenes that's happening, but yeah, I'm trying to make the book a little more engaging, like adding something like, you know, quotables, like a lot of people, they message me privately, the, the readers, and they like literally they just send me a picture of them with the book. And they're like, I like this quote from the book or this. Yes. And I thought, well, if they're doing that to me personally, that's fantastic, obviously. But I kind of wish yeah. they would do it publicly mm -hmm. that their you know, 300 of their followers would see it. Yeah. And so what I'm kind of thinking of doing the strategy of like, you know, quotables at, at the end of every chapter, I'd have like a quote, a shareable quote that people could sort of post on Twitter or Facebook okay. with the link to the book. Oh. So that, you know, so instead of just telling me, which is great, but they can tell everybody, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is even better. So um, I'm doing something like, I might do something like that. So, um, you know, it might, I might make some minor adjustments here and there, but the book is pretty good. People, like they're really unsolicited a lot of times just message me and say, wow, the book is amazing. I tried three other business plan books. They sucked. Yours made it so easy, you know, because mm -hmm. like I have like 19 revisions. Like I, you know, it still yeah. can be better, but it, it, I think it's in a good place now. Always. Oh, yeah. Everything can yeah. always be better. But yeah. yeah. Hey, so you made it to the end of the episode. But, you know, I also got good news. So I'll let you listen to a snippet of the next episode. Which, you know, I think it's pretty funny. So, enjoy. I mean, I don't think... They, they don't go around, like, expressing their love to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... I don't know. Well, well, well. Who knows what that means, right? Yep. Because you'll have to wait until next episode. Which is coming out this same week. So, you don't have to wait too much. And please, please, please leave a review. And please subscribe to this podcast on, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this on. It means the world to me. And yeah, I guess I'll see you around next time. Bye. <laughs>